Welcome to Circuit Clouds Podcast. This is episode number one. The commissioner is here with Lance and Glenn. Hello. Do we have to call you the commissioner? I am the commissioner. Okay. All right. <laughs> you don't have to, but that's my official podcast name. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, then. Absolutely, commissioner. Yeah. So today is, we're going to talk about the 1977 draft class, which was just revealed, and we've got uh, how many dudes we have in the draft class this year? It's a big class, draft, big draft pool, because 77 was an expansion year. About half of these players literally played one or two years in the majors and then faded away. Mm. So that's why there's so many guys. 70, 78, yeah, 78 players, it says. 78, and that's yeah. big. In the past, we've been around 50, I think, 45, something like that. Yeah. Um, does, your, um, does your expansion year hypothesis explain why the, the offensive players are so good? Like, if you look at this draft class compared with last year, like, I mean, Andre Dawson was, one, I think, the first position player taken last year. He was 6.74 ratings. Uh, Templeton, right? Six two three, something like that. Yeah. Now, like six seven four center field is still good, but I mean there are multiple guys. I, I think there's five or six guys with eight contact, right? And like there's another ten guys with seven contact, right? I mean that's it, it's incredibly deep draft. Right, right. I mean I think there's a couple things going on. One of them is uh, what the hell version were we using last time we played this silly game? O- OTP fifteen, right? That's right, that's right. So we're like five versions ahead. So, you know, every time we change to a new version, there's probably some changes in the way that players import. That's right, yeah. Um, but I think expansion pitching definitely has to be – I mean, you got to figure some of these batters were just feasting on uh, expansion pitching for those first couple of years. So I've got five questions here. So we're going to go through these one by one. And we're already kind of talking about the first one. Overall impressions of the draft pool, what strikes you as unique or different about this year's class? So obviously the most obvious thing is just the size of the pool. It's almost twice as big. Um, what other things are different about this year's draft pool? I mean, I think first impressions is is like uh, one of these is just how few like really outstanding defensive players there are. Yes. I mean, it is there is a lot of guys who are. Uh, what I guess I would call average or below. I'm 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 I'm, I'm putting a, a a five rating as average, just going on a ten scale that they go on. It's all. I mean, they're essentially the only position that's deep defensively is second base. The rest of it is like a lot of really average defensive players. Which, you know, for some GMs, some managers, you know, defense means a lot. And so when you're not seeing that, it makes you kind of. Yeah, I don't know. It makes you kind of uh, uh, um, wonder about like where you're going to pick a guy when he may have uh, he may have some nice looking uh, batting uh, uh, potential, but if he's always going to be a you know a five corner outfielder, I, you know, is, is that guy going to be worth going you know top five or top ten? Yeah, no, that's that's definitely true. I don't know, Glenn. You had some thoughts on. On the draft class, right? Like, um, what was really different about this year? Well, yeah. I mean, I, again, I'm just like, it's so good. <laughs> I have a bunch of draft picks, and I just wish I had more. I mean, it, it is so good, and it's so deep. The top end is amazing, right? I mean, Page, Murray, um, 
arguably so. Uh, maybe maybe the pitching top end isn't that different than prior years, actually. But again, the offensive players, there are guys, and Lance was just mentioning, oh, corner outfielders with crappy defense. But there are guys, corner outfielders with crappy defense, but they have eight contact and six power or eight contact and six right. eye and four power. I mean, I mean, they're just some really, really good guys. I mean, my list of, you know, left fielders is like five guys long, and they're all in any other draft. They would be slam dunk first-round picks, right? right? But here you're like, oh, I'll take that guy in the second round, no problem. You yeah, know? yeah. Well, you're basically this all. Sorry, sorry. I was gonna say there's even a guy Lance and I were talking about. Um, you know, Jeffrey Leonard, like one of my favorite Giants. Right. He's a seven contact, seven power, but because he's not very well developed, he's young. He he might be like a third round draft pick, but seven seven last year would have been arguably the best position player in the draft. Right. I mean, that's incredible to me. So, yeah, I can't I can't have enough picks this year. <laughs> yeah. you're, basing, you're basing that all off of their potential though their potential rating what they could become yeah right, based out of guys who are like if you look at them they're out of the box ratings I mean you still got three guys who are eight contacts right out of the box you right. know yeah. which is crazy I mean to some degree and it's like yeah it gets a little you know it doesn't get as deep if you're going off of like hey I want to try to plug this guy in now for whatever reason but yeah I mean if you go off of what these guys could become like yeah. what their potential are I mean you're right I mean it gets you know it gets real I mean that's I'm trying to look at it right now and just kind of give a quick count I mean it's like I mean, there's, it's probably about 30 deep with guys with seven or better contact. <laughs> right. that's, that's crazy. Right. You can get a guy real, possibly really deep in the draft. You know, particularly if people are going to be passing some dudes by again, like if you're if they're just real tied into what kind of uh, what kind of defensive ratings they're going to have, because that's the one thing that's probably never going to go up. That's never going to. There's no potential for that to get better necessarily. Right. So let's yeah. say. So does that. Uh, imply then, so we're, we're into the second topic now. Let's talk about the top hitters since that seems to be what we're gravitating towards. Uh, and, and obviously, it's a very hitter heavy draft, in particular, uh, contacts, but yeah, you know, some decent power hitters there. But yeah, I don't remember a draft where we had three dudes with current ratings of eight contact. Um, that's again, if, you, if you're sorting on contact, you look at the list here, like. Half the top 20 dudes are left fielders, right? So does that imply that uh, is there going to be like a reverse run on left fielders? In other words, does like does does nobody touch a left fielder until the second round because there's just so so many of them? Uh, hmm. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that's right. It's tough. I mean, I think it's part of it's just going to be need based and all. Also, I mean, it's I don't know these how the draft style of, of a lot of the people that are involved. So it's like. Uh, you know, you, you just looking at a guy and going like, you know, you're at number five, let's say you're picking and you're just like, well, this is the best guy available. He happens to play left field. I'm going to go ahead and take him because, you know, he's going to be a masher, you know, either now or pretty soon. Or are you just like, yeah, you're right. Like, I can wait till a number 20 pick and I'm still probably going to get a guy who may not be as good, but, uh, you know, comparable. So why wait? Yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Particularly, I mean, with how seemingly shallow the starting pitching pool is, 
Yeah. Like, I wonder if, if that's, you know, if there's going to be a run on pitchers because people want to get them because they're not going to be available past the first round. And you're right. You might get to the second round and be like, I got like, you know, a half dozen good left fielders I can pick from. Yeah, I mean, I, I so, dude, I think I posited this uh, run on pitchers theory to both of you guys separately. I mean, to me, again, the draft is so, so deep with offensive players. It, I mean, after the very, very top end guys, um, after the very, very top end guys, I think you just have to look around and based on scarcity, think to yourself, I, I got to get some arms because I, I can always come back later and grab, uh, I don't know. You know uh, the Hawkman or Kemp or Henderson, or like Jim, Jim Norris. How about Jim yeah. Norris? The dude, I literally did not see this guy until just now. Yeah, yeah. He's a seven, seven, two, seven. Yeah. Already. Yeah. Uh, so basically, you draft that guy, probably third round or lower. Yeah. And, or, and potentially he's starting at in right field for you. Yeah. Right. Right away. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's like if I if I you know if I needed to replace uh, Gene Kleins, like Jim Norris would be like, yeah, okay, not maybe not as good as defense, but like slot him in the right field and he starts right now. Yeah. Same 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 batting you know sort of potentials and stats right out of the bat, right out of the box. One thing to think about though is, um, and this also I guess this just argues for taking left fielders or right fielders later is that. Dude, in the league, left field or just the corner outfield positions are deep anyway, right? Yeah. Like yeah. everyone or not – yeah, I think it's safe to say everyone's got at least one thumping corner outfielder. So um, – and I think it's just a reflection of like we're playing in a 14-team league and, you know, Major League Baseball at the time is bigger, right? So talent is way more concentrated. And so you're – you know, you, you've got already studs at every position, and so to clear that threshold, you've really got to get a guy who's exceptional, I think. And again, now some of these guys are exceptional, right? But like you're saying, Norris, 727, fully cooked. Eh, let's, you know, into the second round, you could see that guy last, right? Or even third round, right? So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So to me, I guess, so sorry, back to your original question, I would say pitcher scarcity sort of demands pitchers earlier after the very, very top-end guys go, and then you can kind of have your pick of these other guys later. That would be my hypothesis. That would be my theory, anyway. So let's talk a bit about non-outfielders. Um, like, because, you know, speaking of depth, and Lance alluded to this earlier, like, there's a bunch of second basemen this year. Um, and looking around the league, there's um, there have been a lot of good second basemen uh, in the last couple of drafts, too, right? Yeah. Willie Randolph comes to mind. Um, yep. Yep. Had uh, Gantner. Of course, he's not. Uh, he still needs to develop a bit, I guess. But um, but. Uh, oh, he's going to be playing time. I mean, in this draft, we've got if you're sorting on uh, potential here, you've got Lou Whitaker, Bump Wills, uh, Julio Cruz. All three of those guys. Are probably going to end up being starting second baseman. Um, Cruz, maybe not. but um, and, then, and then, of course, there's Trammell. We haven't talked about Trammell yet. But, um, yep. so where does, so this is, you know, I was preparing for this. I was thinking of one question I, I might add. I, I was thinking of throwing at the end of the podcast, which is, who's the absolute worst guy in the draft? 
funny thing is when it, when I sorted on I sorted on uh, current contact, and guess who's second from the bottom of the list? Lou Whitaker. Right. right. So he's simultaneously one of the best uh, in terms of potential. He's one of those few defensive guys. He's an eight second base. Yep. yep. Um, looking at seven contacts, seven eyes. So this guy's gonna have a solid OBP. But his rating's now a three four two four. He's only eighteen. This guy's gonna be cooking in the minors for two three years, right? Yep. yep. And there's no guarantee that he'll. Uh, get up to those potential numbers. Exactly the same story for Trammell, right? Yeah. Uh, except he's 17 years old. I mean, he'll be looks like he'll be 18 before opening day. But that guy, um, he probably won't even see playing time in AAA at, if you're looking at his ratings. Yeah. Um, this year, anyway. So where does that put a guy with like, like let's take Trammell because he got eight contact uh, and an eight defensive shortstop. You would think that that would put him. At or near the very top, but uh, not even 18 years old yet, and very low current rating. So how do you how do you guys assess a guy like that? Dude, that's the $64,000 question, Jack. I mean, so both of those guys, I've Trammell and Whitaker, I put a box around them and I put them to the side on my draft list because, I mean, to your point, they're defensively dominant at the two most two of the three most important defensive positions in my mind. So. I mean, so I value those guys so high, right? But I also value development. Uh, I will maybe say it differently. I'm also risk averse, I guess I would put it that way. And so I tend to want guys that are close to their potential, like we're current and rating or current and potential. The gap between those two is small. But in this case, the gap is massive. So, so I think that's really those are special cases that you have to be committed to to say like, okay, I'm willing to take this pick, set it aside and come back to it in three years. And maybe I'll have, you know, maybe I'll have one of the best players in the league, but you really, you know, you, you really don't know. And the payoff is, I guess let's put it this way. The payoff is uncertain and it's a long horizon, right? Yeah. So for that, for that reason, it's a special case. You could draft him one, or you could draft him 13, and I'd be happy either way, right? Right. I don't know. Lancey, what do you think, bro? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, we talked about this a, a little bit, too. And, you know, I think because it's such a long horizon, you know, the uh, the idea of drafting him early in the first round means you're paying him a ton of money to try yeah. to get to that horizon. Yep. And, yep. you know, um, the other thing is, you know, and I don't know how much, it's hard to really gauge with uh, OTP, like how much this stuff really has any uh, effect on the development of a player. But, you know, I mean, if you dig down into things like their, the personality of the players that you're drafting, you know, Alan Trammell is listed as having a low work, work ethic and, a, and low intelligence. So you're also banking on him overcoming that to reach that full potential and you know and because it's such a long way to go like to me i'd be real adverse i'd be real adverse to picking someone like that and thinking that they're going to make that they're going to make it all the way to the horizon you know yeah. yeah so one thing i thought about on that is and i think last night we did talk about this earlier is because i don't think defensive ratings change that much if at all right, right. it's like you're getting 
I mean, one of the best defensive shortstops, or in the Whitaker case, one of the best defensive second basemen, full stop, right? So, so there's value in that. The question is, let's say low work ethic and he's far from his ratings. So what are you going to get? Let's assume he's not going to, even if he he's doesn't make, you know, 866, he never gets to the 20. What, what could he get to and what would you be happy with? to go along with your potential gold glove shortstop? I guess that's the, that's another question, right? Yeah. And, and are you willing to pay the dude $9 million for the three years that he's yep. in the second of the minors? First round, that's 3 million for the number one pick. So uh, it's, it's a better proposition if he drops down lower in the first round or whatever, but still you're paying the guy big money basically to uh, cook in the minors. And again, I may not get there. I just, thought of one way to actually uh, assess this, if, if you think of it, got unrealized potential, kind of the difference between the potential and the current yep. numbers. Uh, Toronto's at minus 15 yep. for contact gap uh, yep. power and I, minus 15 points. So at any point over that three-year period, some of those, you know, he could get potential downgrades, whatever. It could be an injury. Yep. Uh, maybe he gets frozen at like a 5-4-5 five, five or something like that. Yep. And then, and then you're screwed. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know, and and again, it's like, how long are you willing to wait to find that out? First of all, and it's a, but the, the, you know, the flip side of it is, that, you know, he's also the only guy in the draft, at least position player wise, who has a five star potential, and like that might be enough for somebody to be like, I'm gonna roll the dice and like hope one day all of those five stars are gold. You know, oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wouldn't do it, but. That's the thing, but just also if you're like if you're thinking about that and you're you know you're drafting mid first round and you're like you know my next pick is until mid second round is this guy going to be around like you might just you know just shoot that arrow in the sky and like see where it lands and just take that guy and just you know, like hope hope for the best. So I mean that that's a good point actually because right there, I mean every team is at a different stage right. So, so that's kind of a good point. If you're just starting a rebuild, maybe, right? Maybe in that case, you think, well, I'm not going to compete for two or three years. So maybe I can afford this kind of deep value play, right? Where I, yeah, I invest yeah. this first rounder now. Um, I kind of bank it. I just put him in AAA or AA or whatever my options are. And, and then I just sit on him for two years. And then I come back to him and I see where he's at. Is he still, I mean, should, he should still be defensively dominant. It's just whether or not, you know, again, are you going to get 866 or are you going to get, what was Lance's example, 644, right? If it's 644, you probably are disappointed, right? Even though you have a superb defensive player, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It re- that's a, this, that, to me, that's the toughest question in the whole draft, basically. Yeah. It is, and and again, everything we're saying about Trammell applies to Whitaker, I think. Yep. Um, yep. Although Whitaker is ever so slightly more developed, he's about a year older, and he's I think about one point higher across the board. So maybe yep. Whitaker's slightly less of a risk. He's also at second base, though, and as I was saying, I think there's a lot more depth at second base than there is at shortstop. Yep. Uh, yep. To the point where I think in the next year or two, I, we're not going to be talking about second base as like a premium position anymore um, in the sense of uh, scarcity. Obviously, it's always going to be important in terms yep. of defense, but in terms of uh, the number of guys who are like studs at second base, uh, 
yep. used to be able to count them on like two or three fingers. Yep. And now like every team's going to have one. So, um, but uh, was it, what else was I going to say about Wick? Oh, yeah, but I think both of these guys, they're like 401ks, right? You just buy them, just buy and hold. Just buy and hold, put the, par- park the guy down in AAA, and then open him up in three years and see how he's doing. That's basically yep. the, the approach with them. Yeah, I think also you also maybe you feel a little more inclined with Whitaker because Whitaker, even if he doesn't fully bake all the way out, it's like you're looking at a guy who right now his, his potential is three and a half stars versus the five that Whitaker, that, that Trammell is showing. So you're like, eh, you know, if he only makes it to that two and a half star, three star level, you're like, ah, okay, that was all right. That was an okay pick. But, yeah. you know, you got a five-star potential, and that guy ends up stuck at two and a half stars. You're like, yeah, like Gillen said, you're, you're probably pretty disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have buyer's remorse. Yeah, you probably have buyer's remorse. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, sounds like uh, Sean's got a lot to think about. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, let's, uh, so let's move on to um, – well, well, you know what? Wait, we haven't really talked out completely the top hitters. Um, there's like one thing, so I want to talk about the top pitchers. Uh, I want to talk briefly about the top glove men. It's b- very briefly, it sounds like, because there just aren't that many. And then we're going to get to our top five lists, the top five picks. But um, let's talk a little bit more about the top hitters. Like, say you had a high first-round pick and you're looking for a bat. Like, um, which one of these guys is the most appealing? Like, uh if, if, if you're looking at, let's say you're looking at current ratings, uh, take it to the opposite side of the of the long-term investment thing. Let's say you're looking for a bat you want to stick in your lineup right now. Glenn, you want to go? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's any secret, right? There's only, I mean, I mean, we've said that there's several guys with eight contact, and we've said there's several guys with seven power, but there's only two guys that have both of those things. Yeah. And so Paige and Murray both have top-end potential talent. And yeah, and only one of those has 7i. The other one has 5i. So Mitchell, in those terms, Mitchell is jumping to the top of the – basically, you sort on most things. Mitchell's right yeah. up there. Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think the difference or the distinction you're trying – yeah, so the difference between the two then – would be one guy can only play first base and one guy can only play left field. Maybe our rules allow for a positional change to right field, but you have basically a first baseman versus a a corner outfielder. And Murray's, the one thing I like about Murray is that he's a switch hitter. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Mitchell's a lefty, which has advantages of its own. So maybe it's kind of down to your park at that point, right? I mean, so it's like, it's really down to like these kind of marginal differences, I would say. Because, I mean, all else equal, I'm always going to choose the higher-rated guy, even if it's just one point. But um, but I do think those other factors like park effects or, you know, left-right switch, I think those things are worth something, too. And certainly glove and Paige's glove is not good. But, dude, Paige is also dominant on the base pass, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so I think you put Paige 1, Murray 2. But if I get Murray instead of Paige, I'm not sad at all, right? Because yeah. I got a switch hitter who's five years younger, and that's so why I'm under. I mean, right? I mean, so you're under. You have Murray under control for a long time, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Murray, 19 years old. I think there were uh, there's about a dozen dudes under 20, uh, and I think 
the only two that are really like ready to play right off the bat are Murray and maybe Terry Poole. Yep. Um, yep. Who again is uh, he's pretty well balanced across the board. Base base running defense is okay. Good gap power, good eye. He's pretty pretty solid. And he's Canadian. Check that out. So he's incredibly polite as well. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Brilliant. That's why he has gap power, because he does refuses to Exactly. <laughs> he he's one of the best any pitchers. He just stops at second base. So what do you think, Lance? Where do you go after that, dude? I mean the top two are obvious. I had the easy part. What do you think? Oh, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, I mean I mean I think it also do I mean I think part of it also depends on like team need but I, I think at this point you definitely have to to bring soto into the mix because you know it's I, it, 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 that guy's just not gonna i don't think he's going he's not lasting past the first five because again because of the scarcity of of maybe you know potential star starting pitchers you know that guy's got to go probably three four five somewhere in there um, which also then, because again, as we were talking about scarcity, you know, does that set off alarm bells with people and you start seeing a run on starting pitchers? I, you know, maybe potentially. And then you're also getting into the, like the, do you want to play the long game? Do you want to roll the dice on a, on a Trammel or a Whitaker? Or do you, or do you want that guy that's like, you know, out of the box, plug and play, draft him? put him in the majors right now i guess the, it really depends um so i guess it really depends on it depends on the, on the human being involved you know the gm involved uh, you know again it's like i'd be adverse to taking trammel i mean i'm sitting four right now glenn you're sitting uh three like i'd be adverse at, at whitaker you know there but somebody else might not be you know so that's that's what makes it tough i mean again it's like you know, if we use the the uh, the, the the Glenn Reed uh, matrix, which is just you know add up add up the numbers for potential. I mean, if you were just going strictly by numbers, you know, the next two guys after Page and Murray are, are really uh, are Terry Poole, oddly enough, potential numbers, yeah. and Rance and Rance Mullinix. Yeah. You know, Ooh. both both of if they if they reach their full potential are thirty five out of fifty. You yeah. know. And, you know, so it's like that's that's not too bad. I mean, that's not looking too bad. You know, I mean, that's actually that 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 they uh, you know rate out to actually be higher than Trammell and Whitaker. You know, strictly by just adding up the numbers. You yeah. know, obviously, the, maybe you know the value of playing a, a, an important middle infield position necessarily, but nonetheless, you know, if you're just going to use that kind of uh, addition matrix, like those guys, you know, could be attractive to somebody. Yeah, I think Matt Mullenix is a guy we didn't mention at all, but he's going to be, uh, he's not even really a sleeper, but um, he's, hes I think he kind of hits that sweet spot between uh, current ratings and, and youth, right? He's still a 19-year-old, you know, you're looking at potential eight contact, seven eye, decent stealing, and again, he's not at a premium defense, I think you can live with a five at third base, right? He's not really going to set you back that much on defense, so... That's going to be around to see where he goes. I I think Mullenix has to be in the first round discussion. Since you mentioned okay. Soto, let's let's move over to pitchers then. That's I assume we're all in agreement. Soto is clearly the should be the first pitcher drafted. I don't think there's much. The only guy with a better potential than him is Al Holland. But again, the reliever probably not going to go ahead of 
a starter like Soto, especially with 10 stamina, which is insane. Guy could pitch like 350 innings a year or something like that eventually. Yeah. So, but beyond Soto, what 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 next? Because there's a bunch of uh, there's about what eight or nine three star guys here. I mean, dude, I can get so like my like <laughs> this is so so friggin' simplistic. It's like it's laughable. But my secret sauce is like, or my benchmark, let's put it that way, is just is 20, right? So can I get to 20 with with the three ratings? So. Yeah. Contact power and eye for hitters and stuff movement and potential here and control here. So can I get to 20? And most important of those is movement because if I can take away home runs, I can. I have other ways to manage those other things, right? Or movement and potential, but I can use gloves to take care of base hits. So, so that's why I'm willing to accept like lower stuff, right? But if I get to 20, I'm happy. And if you look at this list, there's some guys here. Um, Bannister, 677. Yeah. I mean, I would prefer an 8 or a 9 movement, but, you know, he gets to 20. Uh, he has good stamina. So I think Bannister has to be high on the pitcher list. I like Sorensen, right? That, like, you know, 389. So maybe here we have to say you got to look out for the three eight, you know, the three stuff. Is that too low? Is there too low a stuff number? Maybe that's a topic for a different podcast or a different discussion. But um, also Honeycut, right? So, so there, I think there's just a lot, or maybe I shouldn't say a lot. There, there's a handful of like potentially really good pitchers in the draft, or maybe there's one really good pitcher, and there's a handful of good pitchers. That's kind of how I would break it down. And you got Bob Shirley. He adds up to twenty-one. Yeah, uh, yep. Yeah, I guess you just, you you wonder about that five stamina. Like, where that's where's that going to put him? Right. Yeah. You know? Yes, that's a genius. Actually, yeah. So, dude, I'm glad you mentioned that because there's a lot of guys. So I have another box. So one of my boxes is Trammell Whitaker. My other box is guys with four and five stamina, because because you, those guys are they're complicated. Like, you don't know do they have the stamina to go deep in a game. And if they don't have stamina to go deep in a game, then that means you're going to have to rely more on your pen. So now we're talking about your team construction really matters, right? The depth of your bullpen really matters. So, so yeah, I think that's a really that's a good point, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Shirley seems awesome, right? But maybe he's not awesome. So I don't know. So that it really depends on what you're trying to do there and how your bullpen's constructed. I would say. Yeah, there's another guy I was really excited about when I was. Uh... When I first was putting together the the draft list before looking at any of the ratings, just purely on names, I think it was Eric who mentioned who said something about the draft looking just on name recognition alone. It looked like a shallow draft, and I think he, I think he was right. He has a fair point. Think about the dudes we're talking about. Mitchell Page, like, I mean, this is not really a household name, right? Mitchell Page, or, <laughs> no, or, or um, Steve Henderson, or you know, some of these other dudes that are going to be you know tremendous hitters in our league. Not really household names. One guy who was, who I was really surprised his ratings were so low, is Jack Morris. The dude's yeah. a Hall of Famer, right? I think he's won three and close to 300 games in his career. 666 six, six yeah. potential. Uh, you know, he does have the 10 stamina, which is good. But he's only two and a half star. I mean, that guy's probably going to fall, almost definitely will fall into the second round. And potentially, you're talking about maybe four or five other starters taken ahead of him. Yeah, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. So that I found surprising. Now what, let's shift gears to relievers here, because the, the one guy, it's the it's the whole take. Do you, how early do you take 
a reliever question. And again, it's all context, right? Because you have Al Holland here who's like head and shoulders above the rest of the class when it comes to relief pitching. 797. Uh, he's a four and a half star potential. But again, his current ratings are 473, so he's got a ways to go. Like, how early do you take a chance on that guy? And how early do you justify uh, a, a pick on a relief pitcher? I guess his question should be for Glenn since you took uh, <laughs> Bruce Suter with wow. the. What was that? Is it the first overall pick? Yes, that was the first overall pick, bro. Yes. Okay, so so one thing we can. So Suter is 788. So that sums to 23. That's the same as 797, right? I even I actually like this guy's mix better because his movement is by far his best stat. So you're saying Al Holland is the, is the next Bruce Suter? However, however, <laughs> I also told you I'm like super I'm super risk averse, and so Suter was almost fully cooked when he came in, but Holland, you still have some cooking to do here, so. Like, you know, number one and number two, remember the context of the draft. We just said the last draft was pitifully weak in position players, right? So, um, whereas this one, this draft is stacked. So, it's hard for me to see Holland going like in the first half of the first round. Maybe he could be a late first round pick, but I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be trying to project where he goes or. or I know. think relief pitchers uh, are. Of all the positions are uh, the, really the hardest to predict because you never know, you know, the needs of the of the team, right? And, and, and I think in, in this guy's case, I don't. I think if he goes first round, let's say if, if he if he drops past the top five, I think if he's taken sixth or lower, I think that's fair. That's I don't think you could fault anyone for. Uh, I mean, who doesn't need like a dominant reliever, right? Every, every, literally every team in the league could use that guy, uh, assuming assuming he pans out. To argue a little bit against that, you could also, um, you know, you could also draft Enrique Romo, who is a seven eight seven. Now he's cooking, ready to pitch, you know, and like you don't have to wait for him to mature. And like you're talking one point difference between him and and. Uh, you know, him in Holland, and you can. There's just there's so much depth here in the in the relief pitching core. I mean, yeah, we got Glenn picking four times in the first round, so <laughs> so I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past him that a relief pitcher would go. But it's like there is so much depth already. I mean, yeah, you know, again, you got you got Willie Hernandez, six six nine, right out of the box, ready to pitch. You know, so it's like if I'm looking at those guys, like. And I know, again, speaking, you know, not speaking to, to Holland's potential, like, yeah, potential, but it's like, if I need to fill a hole in my bullpen now, like, I might be more inclined to somebody who's already fully cooked, who's, you know, adding up to a 21 instead of a 22, yeah. you know, or 22 instead of a 23, and just like, yeah. you know, you know, you know, you know, God bless the person who does get Al Holland, but, you know, if I get Enrique Romo instead, I'm, I'm pretty happy. You One know? issue with Romo is... Check out his age. He's 28 years old, right? He's already, he's already like midway through his career. So, uh, you know, that that definitely has to be a factor. You're basically getting five fewer years out of that guy. Uh, well, but I don't, yeah, I guess so. It, depending on when Holland comes to fruition, when he actually meet, meets his potential. Yeah. I don't think you're put. I don't think you're putting him four, seven, three into your bullpen right now. That's true. You know, 
So, you you know, let's say it takes them two, three years to mature, then maybe you're, you're getting two or three years less out of out of Enrique Romo than you are getting out of Al Holland. Yeah, fair enough. You know? if, he, if he even gets to that potential, that's true. Al Holland has one other thing going for him. His nickname is Mr. T, so. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> Pity the fool. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> I have no but, idea. I, mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, mean, I feel like the relief pitching is so deep that I think – I mean, it is 14 teams they got to pick, but I mean, I think then because again, you're looking at a scarcity of potentially, you know, front of the rotation starting pitchers and just some real mashers and some real, just really great looking position players. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if we go through the whole first round and there's not a relief pitcher drafted. I agree with that, dude. I think what happened is I talked to Tim earlier and he talked me into <laughs> drafting Al Holland. <laughs> so I'm glad we had this conversation because otherwise I would have taken Al Holland like nine. And I would have like, been going, going at number nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. So, yeah. so you just saved me, Lancey. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I mean, if you look at – Jesus, I mean, I think I did a tiny bit of math. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Dudes, eight relief pitchers who are twenty plus. No, no, actually twenty, twenty over twenty one. So twenty one or higher of the of those numbers when you do you just do the straight math yeah. matrix. There's eight yeah. guys who who have yeah. that potential, and then there's another probably you know a half a dozen at least who yeah. are at at twenty. So I mean, it's like that's you know a dozen or fourteen good relief pitchers, if not studly relief pitchers in this draft. I mean, yeah. you know, you're, you're talking, you could you could be picking, you could have one pick in the third round and you could potentially pick up a real nice relief pitcher out of this draft. Yep. That puts even more of a premium on the starters then, right? So you got, I think Soto, so. you got Soto, you got, what did we say, Bannister. Bannister. Honeycutt. maybe Ed Whitson possibly. Whitson might yeah, be on yeah. the list. Yeah, I Sorensen maybe if you can live with the three three stuff. Yeah, yeah, and then you and then you're looking at you know again these guys with the sort of midland stamina like Shirley and uh, Surum, you know, who you're like, man, you know, dude, maybe. call the doctor. I need my serum. I, mean, I need my serum. I love that guy. Check <laughs> this guy out, bro. His ratings are great, right? Is a, oh yeah, four eight eight, dude. That's my yeah. That's the uh, magic elixir. But like you say, <laughs> stamina of five, though, right? I mean, I don't know. I'm really, I'm really torn about these guys. And I guess, yeah, I'll, maybe I'll do some more research on that. I mean, do we have examples? I think we came up with Gogoluski. Um, I don't remember what team he plays for anymore, but I think we came up with Gogoluski as a guy who had like a four or five stamina, been in the league for a while, mm-hmm. who who also had good ratings, right? Like ratings similar to this, like a four eight eight or four nine seven, something. So like that. Gogoluski, uh, Gogoluski is on the Manhattan Gray Sox. Threw a wild pitch in the playoffs that in like extra innings that cost a game. Oh well, there you go. I think it was. It might have been the World Series, actually. So should have never been drafted then. <laughs> exactly. Been drafted. So he's a, he's a buster. Yeah. So there's yeah. there's your comp right there. <laughs> so, but do you have his stats? Can you see like how many like what's his average innings per start? Do you have that? Oh, Lewski, uh Yeah, he's a stamina of four. Last year he pitched. Uh, let's see, he started. Actually, he didn't pitch a lot last year, but in '75 he had 22 starts at 
136 innings. Mm, uh, a little more than five. Six, yeah, six, somewhere six five innings. Five. That's not bad. You know, I think, you know, four or five stamina, it sounds horrible. It, it sounds like they can only go like four innings, but I really think four stamina means you can go like six innings. You know, assuming it's a good start. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, so, but again, in the context of, uh, with a lot of relievers, right? So that's, so this is important though, right? If you have a lot of good relievers either already on your team or you can grab some, well, then all of a sudden four or five stamina doesn't matter that much because you can, you have studs that can close out the last three innings, right? Right. So, so maybe these guys are more viable in that scenario. Now yeah. I'm talking myself into, yeah, yeah, now I'm talking myself into these guys. <laughs> I, don't, I think you can't go wrong with Mr. T. I think that's... <laughs> the moral of the story is take Al Holland number one. That's, that's what I've taken away from this whole guy. Oh, I don't know. talking to me to Romo. I, I, I'm kind of liking that Romo guy. Yeah, yep. it's also... It's, it's actually spelled T-E-A, so it's Mr. T. So <laughs> That's not nearly as good. Yeah, so yeah. stop at 4 o'clock every day and drink tea. So I, yeah. I don't That changes everything. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay, so let's move on to the our last question. Uh, top five lists. All right, so let's 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 say so rules rules of the road here. Let's ignore the actual teams. Okay, well, dude, you go first because uh, you're the impartial. Who me? Not impartial. Yeah. All right. Uh, I did not actually write this down. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> yeah. That's not on the top five list either. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I have a list. I didn't like. I didn't necessarily go one, two, three, four, five. I kind of made a list of the. Oh, right, here we go. Are you ready? I, yeah, go, go, yeah, go. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll start it off. I'm gonna. Despite everything we're saying, okay, Soto has got to be in there. Just yep. because uh, easily the best starting pitcher in a pretty shallow, pretty shallow pool. I'm thinking he's the only pitcher in of the top five. Uh, we already talked about Murray and Page, both those guys for sure. I'm gonna go with Trammell, despite everything we're saying, um, because I think if you're if you're playing the long game, um, the, you know how many five potential five star potential guys are there in the league. I think that's well, you're taking a risk on the on the guy, but even if he if he only pans out to eighty percent of that, he's still a four star dude. So I put Trammell in the top five. And then the fifth guy, God, this is where it gets really hard. I'm almost inclined to put Molinix up there just because not a lot of depth at third base, I don't think. Uh, especially compared to uh, left field. So there you go. What I say Molinix, Trammell, Murray, Page, and Soto. That that's good. I mean that's hard to argue with that, bro. Yeah. Are we supposed to argue with that? No, we're supposed to come up with your own list. <laughs> in, that, in that case i'm in trouble one of you has to put willie akins on there dude that was actually you can't okay hang on that, that was the sleeper you have to provide your sleeper pick who's your upset special pick like the guy who's going to provide tremendous value like in the end of the third round so akins is one we already talked about akins oh then uh, hackman we talked about right um, I got another guy. There's a third baseman whose name I don't remember right now, but he has like seven contact and a six eye, or seven contact and six power. Hold on. Uh, uh, you're talking potential? Jim, yes. Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison, Jim dude. Yes, right Jim Morrison. The I mean, storm. Yeah, yeah exactly. Get the Lizard King. Come on. Yep. <laughs> dude, so, there you go. He's from Florida, too. It might be the yep. same guy. <laughs> yeah. exactly. I think he's buried in Paris or something. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. Exactly. Just yeah. uh, be prepared for some indecent exposure during games, but otherwise yes. you'll be fine. Brilliant. I've got a, I've got a sleeper too, but I, I'll let you guys do your top fives first. 
I'll fill. I can filibuster for you. Uh, Ooh. Okay, so again, I'm going to put Trammell and Whitaker. Like I say, I mean, so I'm going to cheat. I'm going to use seven because I put Trammell and Whitaker off to the side. I could see them between one and, like I say, 13, right? But but you cannot deny, as you say, five-star potential, defensive stud, and adds to 20 at a premium position. Like that, so those guys are supremely valuable in the right situation, right? And yeah. I don't think you can deny Paige Murray Soto. Those are the three best guys in the draft, full stop, right? So, so there's five, but I'm going to cheat. I'll give you Mullenix, so I agree with you there. And then did you mention Poole as one of your top five, Terry Poole? No. Well, I put Terry Poole in the top five. Yeah, that's good. And that could be actually, and so just to filibuster some more, dude, that could be because in micro league, I swear one of my teams, I had Terry Poole play center field and he was like an eight, four, just like all, I mean, he was a phenomenal yeah. defensive stopper, great on the bases yeah, yeah, and awesome leadoff hitter. Right. So, right. So there you go. So it's a little bit of sentimental bozo effect. That might've been the Buffalo chips. Yeah, oh, dude, dude, great, great callback to the Buffalo Chips, bro. All right, Lancey, what do you got? Well, I mean, I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm with you, or both of you, with, um, yeah, Paige and Murray, and then Soto as well as top three. I mean, you were talking about me drafting or just anybody drafting. That's the thing, because I'm so the risk averse to Trammel just makes it real hard for me to slide him into a top five. Yeah. I actually would probably. Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to be the only person who would do this, but I feel like I would I would probably take Whitaker somewhere in the top five. Yeah, and then yeah, it sucks. I mean, I, I guess yeah, I probably Mullenix, Mullenix, I think, you know, and then there's yeah, even if you brought up uh, a lot of the other guys who are potentially there, Terry Poole, and then someone who's willing to to. To uh, take a little bit of the risk, Tron was definitely a possibility as well for for that one of those top five slots. Not from me, but from somebody else, I and mean, possibly. Well, hang on now. You have Robin Yount, like probably twenty year old Robin Yount, fully developed. So you're never in that, right? I mean, you're not even in the conversation. Right? No, I mean, but even if we were talking about even drafting in a vacuum, just just, just because of, of like the, the 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 risk possibility of him never reaching not that potential or, or or not even not even getting there not even being you know uh not even making it to being you know being having a guy who ends up being stuck on like you know five five four or something yeah, like yeah, yeah. I just Fair it's enough. just it's not worth it you know yeah so yeah so uh, I'm gonna throw in uh, a sleeper pick here and I'm also gonna touch on something we did not talk about. Uh, which we were supposed to top Gloveman. At Lance mentioned at the beginning, there are so few guys. Um, I think there are maybe seven guys who are rated at seven or higher. Oh no, that's not true. There's a bunch of second basemen, but there are Trammell is an eight, Whitaker is an eight, Bump Bump Wills, and Bump Wills is a seven at second base. Um, but that gets to my sleeper pick, Julio Cruz, second baseman. Yeah, Short, yeah. He's a switch hitter. He's going to have six contacts, six eye. It's his potential. Uh, ten speed, ten stealing, eight defense at second base. So I, I think uh, that guy definitely uh, – I don't think he slips in the top five, but he's definitely probably going to – definitely first-round material. What does Cruz do – sorry, what does he do for a base running? You say, say that again? 
Uh, oddly, his base running is four, but his speed and his ceiling are ten. Oh, ten, ten. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right on. So, the dude's, uh, you look at his real-life stats, he had, like, stole 57 bases one year. It's not going to give you a, a huge on-base percentage, but, but again, great glove, great speed. Yep. Bump Wells, another guy who's, yeah. uh, actually... That's like, my sleeper pick. That's He's my sleeper pick, for sure. Bump Wells gets you, um, a little more offense. For, for one point less on the defense, so it's probably a decent trade-off. And he's already seven six three six, And he's also a switch hitter. Switch hitter. And again, yeah. same comparable, comparable speed to Cruz, and, but better base running instincts. And fully and, uh, and, and more or less fully developed. Yeah, has, a, has some potential to go and the ability to not strike out. But in general, yeah, he's out of the box. Playing yeah. second base for you. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. a son of Maury. He's a son of Maury Wills. Which exactly. We so. we brought that up with Glenn yesterday. Yeah, Maury Wills. Yeah. All right. Well, um, good times. I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, I think this is pretty successful. If we figured out the technological hurdles, uh, we've got a huge list of potential topics. We, I think uh, now that we've got this sorted out, we can maybe press forward with some of those. But um, any parting thoughts or ideas before we wrap this up? <laughs> I don't know. Who's gonna listen to it but us? But dude, uh, a it was a good time, and uh, and b thanks for thanks for doing it. And uh, dude, again, I, I just wish I had more picks. This is like the deepest draft I've ever seen. I think. How many picks? You still have a ton of picks, don't you? I have five of the first seventeen, and I don't think I pick again until like thirty-two, and I don't think I pick again after that. So, and I really think like there's gonna be. I think there's gonna be. Sorry, I'm kicking furniture. I think there's gonna be incredible values and in, like. This late second round, third round. I mean, to me, it's just ridiculous. Like you said, I could I could construct a totally viable major league bullpen out of third round picks, bro. I mean, that's incredible. Right. Yeah. So you picked you picked a bad year to have uh, five of the first seventeen picks. <laughs> exactly. It's like horrible planning. Yeah. It's a bad year to stop sniffing glue, pal. Uh, yep. Thanks for doing this. This was it was a lot of fun, and uh, I think it's going to be a real. It's going to be a real uh, interesting draft. It's going to be a real rodeo um, to see what happens because there's just, you know, I mean, there's just some wild cards in there that you just have no idea. I mean, we, we didn't, you know, we're not even, we didn't even mention Holloway and the sort of Detroit connection and the, like, how much, oh, yeah. how much trammel must just like, you know, be that Holy grail and like, I don't know if any of any of us would pick him first, but who knows? Also, shout out to Lance, or uh, maybe it's not Lance Parrish, but there's definitely a Parrish catcher in the uh, in the draft who is another Tiger, right? So this yeah. is the year. For yeah, that yeah. is Lance Parrish. Yeah, yeah exactly. Go. Jack and Morris and Whitaker. I mean, it's don't forget uh, Willie Willie Hernandez, dude, and oh another goodness. one of dominant relievers. Yeah, definitely the year of the Tiger. Yeah, they were great. Yeah, good stuff. All right. All right. Push the button here and we'll turn this off. Uh, thanks for doing this. And we'll. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank nice. you. We'll do this again sometime.